Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you, and I want to share something tonight that for some people might be revolutionary in that many believers have a very low opinion of themselves. But I want to look at one of the very vivid images in the scripture of who we truly are. And what I'm actually doing, and it's important that I say this, it's in James in chapter 1. This is not the text, but this is the canvas on which the next hour is painted. It says in James chapter 1 and verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer, of the word, the word of God, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. But once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So you look in the mirror and it's a glance just to see how things are, and down the corridor you you couldn't draw a picture of your face. You have in that sense forgotten what you look like. Then in verse 25, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, that is the word of God, the good news from the heart of God to us, and abides by it, lives by it, does it, not having, no, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual or empowered doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So it is saying in a nutshell, you look into the word of God and you see who you truly are. And you don't forget that, rather you immediately set about doing it and being who the scripture reveals you are. And as you do and be who you are, then it says that man is blessed in everything he touches. Okay, that's not the text. But it is what we're going to do. For I want to look at us. I want to look at who we are in our relationship with Jesus. Who are we? In in the presence of the Holy Spirit in and upon us, who are we? Who are we in the midst of this world? And I, I do know from my own experience with multitudes of believers that there are many persons who have never thought of this, and it might be a shock. Okay, my text now is in Micah, that little book of the prophets, Micah and chapter 5. And in the second verse, that's very well known. It is one of those prophecies of Jesus that um, we remember, especially at Christmas time. 
where he prophesies hundreds of years before Jesus was born, incidentally, as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Okay, there's no doubt that is speaking of Jesus. And it goes on to describe the ministry of Jesus. And then in verse 7, it says, Then, okay, at that time, when Jesus bursts upon history and in him everything is renewed and changed, it says, Then the remnant of Jacob will be among many peoples, like dew from the Lord, like showers on vegetation. Okay. It says all that concerning Jesus. Then it speaks of the remnant and describes the remnant as the dew. Now, the remnant, that, that expression, the remnant, is an Old Testament word that essentially, without going into any detail, essentially it is speaking of us. It's, it's the Old Testament word as it looked forward and it describes in effect the church. And you, if you want to explore that further in Joel in chapter 2 and verse 32, speaking of the remnant, it says that these are the ones upon whom the Holy Spirit will be poured out without limit. And on the day of Pentecost, at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, when the church came into being, when the Holy Spirit came upon the 120 in the upper room, Peter stood up and explained what was happening by quoting from Joel. And essentially he was saying, you are looking at the remnant upon whom the Holy Spirit has come. The remnant. And it says that remnant will be among all peoples. That is, it won't all be in one place. It will be scattered through the families of the earth. Remnant. What does it mean? The word, I mean. The, the word actually means, what could I say, a small amount. I, I don't know, some of you who are tailors or work with cloth you will go to a cloth place and you'll buy remnants. It means the little bit that's left over. It's a small amount. It's, it's not everything. It's, it's, yeah, really the leftover, though that's not the emphasis I'd put on it. But that small amount that's at the end, small amount of the greater part. And these, this small company you'll find the small companies scattered through all peoples, it said, all the families of the earth, the remnant. Obviously, the remnant are the very focus of what God is up to in the earth. The remnant is his people, and through this remnant, his will is going to be done. But as far as the earth is concerned, the peoples of the earth, they're a small company. And you go into this town, and you'll find them scattered here, scattered there. They know each other, but they're very, they look very 
what can I say, ineffectual. They, they, they don't look too organized. They're, they're just people scattered among other peoples. And so the remnant, this small company of people, they don't have any land. You, you don't fly into the capital of the remnant no, they're, they're everywhere. They don't have their own land. They're just scattered among all lands and all peoples. As I said, they don't have a capital city that they gravitate to. They're found everywhere. In fact, their, their home and their neighborhood is where in their locality everything gravitates to. And so the remnant, they don't have a seat at the United Nations. They don't have an embassy address. You see what I mean? They're just scattered, it says, scattered among the peoples. And therefore, this remnant, they have no power as power is defined by the earth. But, I, I, not a heavy saying there, they don't have any power as defined by the earth. But the effect of the remnant in the midst of the earth is beyond words. The effect of these people is life infused into the middle of death. It is light that shreds and scatters the darkness. And wherever they go, this remnant carry with them the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Fascinating. But in this particular scripture, the remnant is called the dew. Okay. The remnant will be among many peoples like dew from the Lord. Now, I don't know what you know about the dew. There are some of you folk listening and you live in the big cities of the world and therefore, I doubt you know too much about the dew. Others, like us, we live out in the hill country of Texas, and others of you live in vast open spaces, or you live in forests and whatever, and you know a lot about the dew. The dew. It, it, you know, can I describe it to you? Um, not the scientific description. I want to see what God is saying here. And, and so I'll just leave the scientific description. Enough to say that as the sun goes down, okay, it, it's been a blistering hot day. And, and now as the long shadows and the sun is going down and it dips below the horizon... Give it, what, a couple of hours, maybe three hours, and as you're walking through the grass, you, you will realize that your feet are getting soaking wet. Oh, where did that come from? It will be there all night, clinging to the grasses, clinging to the flowers and the leaves. Wherever you turn, wherever there is anything to hold on to, there will be little droplets hanging on to it. You get up very early in the morning, just either before the sun has risen or afterward, and you will look across 
We, we, we look across our pasture here or down into the orchard and we see these millions of droplets of water hanging on the grasses. And, and, and you, you can look at a flower, a rose or whatever, and there you'll see these droplets of water. And as the sun rises, it suddenly becomes a shimmering lake of light, dancing light. That, that's the dew. That's the dew. And in most cases where the dew is talked about, it's because they really, that place would not exist but for the dew. The dew is, in fact, you know in the Old Testament it speaks so much of the blessing and the blessing includes physical blessing. And so it includes your flocks and your vegetables and the whole of the farmland of these agricultural people. And so every blessing in the scripture speaks about the dew. These people of the Middle East to whom this was first spoken, they could not imagine their land apart from the dew. If if this wonder didn't take place when the sun went down, then rapidly their world would turn into a burnt-up desert. But you see, the dew that soaks everything through the night hours, and then when the sun rises and the temperature soars and the sun beats down, it all got enough of the dew during the night it can withstand the day. And then when it's just about to wilt, it can't take any more. The sun goes down and the dew is there and it's rejuvenated and renewed throughout the night hours. Dew. I I have been to some of the great deserts of the world and it's an amazing thing to see. In the desert, in fact, in the Middle East, in, in some of the desert there, there's a vineyard that will grow bearing luscious grapes right there in the desert. You say, how does it do it? There's no water. It hasn't rained. There's no rain in the forecast forever. And yet here is the vineyard. It's the dew. The dew comes and there's so much watering done in the night hours by this silent dew. Sometimes the dew is so heavy, it's like a little cloud hovering above the desert floor. I've watched natives in Africa who live in the desert, and they will go to the one or two plant areas, and there, with with expertise, they can, in those morning hours, they can milk the flowers for their dew, which becomes their only water supply. Yeah, let me say it clearly. The blessing that is spoken of throughout the scripture, uh, always it includes the dew, because without the dew, there'll be no flocks and there'll be no herds and there'll be no vegetables. It's all over. They will starve to death. So the dew was the key to prosperity. The dew was the key to life, even in the middle of a desert. 
amazing that you, uh, you should get up some morning and go out and get your feet soaked by that which didn't rain. It just appeared on the grass. It just was as the sun had gone down, quiet, unassuming. You know what I mean? When it rains, it's like you're being peppered by a machine gun. You know, there's effort to rain. And it comes and it hits you and it pounds into the earth and it leaves its mark on the dust. But do you, you don't, you could not, well, I suppose you could. You could lay down there by the grass and watch and it would just be there. So quiet. You didn't see it coming. Quite unassuming, but it's the very droplet water of life. Now, do you see what this is saying? In the vivid imagery of the Old Testament, it says that you, please understand, I am speaking to you, believer. I'm holding up the mirror of the living word of God. Take a look in the mirror, see yourself, and don't forget who you are but go and do it. He says, you are the dew. You are the remnant scattered through this desert of death called this world, but you are the dew. And, and, and everything about the dew comes into focus in you. That's what it's saying. That's what it's saying. Now, the, the, we've got to get this right up front, that in, in the book of the prophet Hosea, Hosea, in chapter 14 and verse 5, the Lord himself says, I, the Lord, will be as the dew to my people. Or just a minute. The Lord said he is the dew. But then it says here, and other places are saying the same thing, you are the dew. Oh, do you get this? I, I don't want to be too complicated, but this is the very foundation of the gospel. God himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he is the dew. He is the life water. He is the one. Without him, we have no life. But how does he do that? How does he bring his life into the world? Through you. This is the gospel that you are united with him. You are united with him who is the water of life, united with him who is the dew, so that you in this world become the dew in this wilderness. Does that make sense? Do you get that? The whole gospel hinges on that word union. You're made one with and, and and here it is. We are we are the remnant who, in actual fact, become the very radiance. We become the very presence of God in the midst of the people. It's through us He reveals Himself now. It's it's through us that Jesus continues His work and His doing bringing the will of God to earth as it is in heaven. And so, the dew, let me say it again, is the supreme blessing of the Old Testament. 
All other blessings are there because of the dew that comes and waters the desert. Well, do you realize in the New Testament, when Jesus has come and fulfilled all these promises and prophecies, and when Jesus, having risen from the dead and ascended, he gives to us the Holy Spirit, And the Holy Spirit comes upon us in Galatians 3. It says the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of the blessing of the Old Testament. Every blessing of the Old Testament pointed forward to the one great blessing in which the Holy Spirit would come upon you and fill you and be to you all that you needed in this life in wisdom and strength the Holy Spirit, and he is all his gifts. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon us and he is the blessing. He's the empowerment. Without him, we'd never know all that Jesus has accomplished. He is the love of God in person coming within us, coming through us to others. Yeah. In that sense, the Holy Spirit upon us, we are the dew in this world because the Holy Spirit is in us, because the Holy Spirit upon us, and those Holy Spirit works through us. Hold that in mind. Now, even as I've just spoken about it, and here in the scientific West, dew is still a mystery. Oh, as I say, the scientist can explain how it happens. It's very simple, actually. But still, still, there's something about the dew that is a beautiful mystery. And the scripture makes it plain in more than one scripture, like Job 38, I believe, verse 38, where, where it says that God is the father of, of the dew, that you can give all the scientific explanations, but behind it all is the finger and the hand of God. This is a mystery that originates in God himself, the dew. I I pointed out, and I, I very deliberately, it comes so quietly. Unless you are watching, the only reason you know the dew has come is because you're getting wet. But you you don't realize when that dew came, when the droplets began to form on the roses. You you don't that it just is, just is. See other life giving things, gifts of God, they they come with fanfare. As I've said about the rain, it it's like a machine gun. It it. Yeah, the the rain comes and and we we put up our umbrella, we shelter, we run. Um, The rain comes with with sort of effort. And then fanfare, a thunderstorm with lightning. I mean, that's the marching band of God's weather. Lightning striking across the sky, fearful wonder. But the dew, no marching band, no effort, no effort whatsoever, just silent, so gentle, 
We don't see it come, nor do we actually see it go. It's without announcement. There's no marching band ahead of it. And it does its work soaking the desert and the dried out withered flowers and grasses and trees with life-giving water and then it exits and exits so quietly you suddenly realize it's not here anymore, it's gone. Understand yourself. Understand yourself. You're not merely somebody who went forward in a meeting and, and said a prayer after the pastor. You are the miracle. You are the greatest mystery that walks on this planet. Your inside eyes have been opened to see the unconditional, unlimited love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit toward you. And you've seen that that love was revealed here within our humanity in Lord Jesus Christ. You've seen that. And if you don't think that's a wonder, if you don't think that's one of the great mysteries, then think again, because there are multitudes that are viciously angry with me because I, I say that that God is love. And that love is revealed in the person and the actions and the words and the death and the bloodshedding and the resurrection and ascension and spirit giving of the, whole, uh, of the Lord Jesus. You've seen it. Your heart leaps within you as I say it. And you've seen that that Holy Spirit has come within you as you trusted that love revealed in Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come within you. Do you know, what? what don't, don't let me just say that and go on to the next word. Don't you know, said Paul in Corinthians, don't you know that your body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that? You are one of the greatest mysteries because you look like an ordinary human being. You look just like an attorney. You look just like a worker in a factory. You just look like a teenager going to school but the Holy Spirit lives within you and is actually communicating into you the delight and the love of God toward you. Huh, mystery. The love of God himself through this same Spirit is poured out in your heart. So the love of God is not just words in a book or words in my mouth, but the love of God embraces you at your deepest essence. And that Holy Spirit witnesses, tells you, reverberates within you that you are a born one of God. You are a child of God sharing the life of God. That you are accepted 
through nothing you have done but because God himself joined you where you were and took you to where he is. He gives you boldness and assurance to say that is the way it really is. And he gives to you something that is unearthly. He says, my peace I give to you. My joy I give to you. You're a mystery in that you are participating in the life of God the Father through Jesus Christ in the enlightenment and strength of the Holy Spirit. Now, this this might be very new to you, and you might just have begun to understand and experience the outskirts of this life. But this is the gospel, and you are on your way. That's who you are. The world can't add it up. The world doesn't know how you got there. I am saying to you, look in the mirror of the gospel and remember who you are. God himself is the dew that refreshes and lifens the desert of this world through Jesus Christ. But you who are joined into Jesus, you are the dew right there in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but he also said, you are the light of the world. He has loved you and loved me, but he's also said, now you love one another as I have loved you. His love passed through us. John comes out and says it in his first epistle, as he, Jesus, is, so are we in this world. Or Paul says, don't you know, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Or as he said again, for me to live is Christ. We are branches of Christ the vine. We are actually the conveyors of his life and his fruit into our world. He has produced salvation, for he alone could. But now you and I are the distributors of that salvation. Do you understand? We're the Jew. We, we are those that come into this withered, dying world, and, and just in our very selves, there is the outradiance of God's presence and love and his joy and his peace and his salvation. The dew is beauty. You don't need to be an artist to see that. Plenty of artists, you might have seen plenty of photographs of the dew upon a rose petal or whatever. And yeah, artists readily recognize it. But you stand before any field in the times that I'm talking about, and especially if early morning with the sun rising, and that dew, every droplet of dew is blazing with radiant light. 
Every, every droplet is a reflection of the light. And again, I have to say, so, so you, so I. Sin is ugly. There's nothing beautiful about unforgiveness, is there? There's nothing that takes your breath away about the beauty of bitterness and malice and gossip and slander. No, it's universal. We know that that is ugly. But the beauty of God himself is reflected in us so that his love is seen by us, received by us, but then imparted by us. So that, well, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, or, or, or that fruit that hangs on our life that is lifed by the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then it's as if he, he gives all the facets of love, Love, it's joy, it's peace. But then he goes on, the gentleness and the kindness and the goodness. The spectrum of love. Like a diamond, the facets of love. Beauty? Yeah. You're the dew. Just by being who you are, you reveal the beauty of God. The beauty of God. I think it's important in a world religious world, I mean, where witnessing is looked upon as mugging your neighbor with a pamphlet and trying to get them to sign on the dotted line and say a prayer after you, for goodness sake, please drop that. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when you have been united to the dew of heaven, you will be Witness. He didn't say you're going to do witnessing. I tell you, more people have been turned away from the church by enthusiastic doers of witnessing. Do what Jesus said. Be a witness. Be witness. Let the beauty of the love of God be seen in the way you do your work. The gentleness, the kindness in the way you act toward your fellow workers. The compassion of God through Jesus by his spirit in you. Now we're talking. We, we, we give. And, and this isn't a project. This isn't something you sit down and you say, well, I'm now a witness. And I shall go like a religious robot into my place of business and... And I will let them know I'm a Christian and they come and talk like they used to around me. I'm going to love them. No, no, no. It's not a project. It's spontaneous. It's natural. You are more yourself than anyone in the world because they live behind their masks of fear lest anyone should discover them. But you are free to be you. Spontaneous. And yet it is not I, said Paul, it's Christ who lives in me. See, the dew, those droplets of water, they are life. There's no two ways about it. I think, I think you've heard me. 
I, I, I say it again, to go into some of those deserts of Africa and watch the natives go from, the, the, I mean, the plants are sparse. We're in the desert here. We're in a desert whereby this afternoon the temperatures will soar to 120. But right now, they go from these sparse, scattered plants and they, they, they have a way of getting every drop of the dew and it's by that they live. It's life. There would be no other life in the desert. Go into some of these places where there's no rain for months. There would be no grass. There would be no vegetation but for the dew. It's life. It's, the dew is the environment in which life flourishes. It's the environment in which life is nurtured and revived, even if that place is the desert. See, the dew doesn't create life. I think it's pretty obvious, but I have to say it. Dew doesn't create life, but it calls it forth. That, that blade of grass has just about had it. The sun almost got it this afternoon, and it's drooping, and, and then the dew comes and calls forth the life and feeds and nurtures the roots of the grass. It potentializes the life that the sun would have burned away and withered. But the dew soaks, soaks, soaks. It's soaking the earth with, with life in its water, those little droplets. And it's interesting, if you go right through the Bible, that word water is linked to life over and over again. I mean, you, you, you've read in the scripture the waters of life. There you got the two together. You know, Jesus to the woman of Samaria said, I will give you water and that water shall be to you eternal or God life. Uh, the last verses of the Bible says the spirit and the bride say, come, I'll give the waters of life freely. Waters of life. And somehow that registers with us. Of course, it was God's phrase. It would register with us. That, that without water, I don't have life. And, and the more I am in the desert, place of death, the more wonderful water is. And you remember that amazing picture in Ezekiel, I think it's 47, where it says that out from the presence of God there came this river, and, and, and it was a river of life. If you could imagine, what a river, what a river. The, 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 all the drops of water that made up the river were the very life of God. And he says, wherever the river touched... Their lives sprang forth. The river went into the dirty backwaters and the sludge on the side uh, where there, there were poisonous smells, you know. Those. And it says, as the water went there, it all sprang into life. And, and where nothing was, uh, trees began to grow. 
And then Ezekiel in his vision was told, get in the water, swim in the, swim in life, swim in life. And he said he got in and as he, as he was walking, it got deeper and deeper until he was carried on the bosom of the river. He was swimming in life. I don't know how your brain works. You might think I'm nuts tonight. Um, I, I maybe because I'm saturated in the Old Testament, I tend to think in these vivid pictures that God gives us in the Old Testament to swim in his life. Do you, you understand? Swimming in the life of God. And what is dew? Dew is water. Little tiny droplets of water. But put them all together and they cause pretty much a flood, except there's no damage done, but they saturate the ground. And you who listen to me tonight, believer, you are one of those droplets. You are a droplet of the life of God. You are in him. His life is your life. You are one through Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit makes this a reality. Whenever, well, no, not whenever, but shall I say often, as as this image of God the Jew and God the Jew and you and I making us the Jew, when it's spoken of, it's spoken of in Life that's just bursting. And it plays on the fact you usually find dew in the morning as the sun is rising. As when the dew is at its fullest and it's been there for the night hours and and all that I've said about that. And so the, the Hebrew people saw the dew almost as the blazing forth of life. It was the young day. It was the youth of the day. This brilliant day of beauty. And so when the Lord speaks about it, he speaks of, he says, from the womb of the dawn, Psalm 110, the womb or the birthing place of the dawn, your youth, and that's another word in that psalm for you and I, believers, the youth are to you, Father, as dawn, as dew. They spring forth, the dew of God. You you are light, you are life, you are the beauty of God. And and it's like resurrection life as the darkness flees and dawn is there and you you are the dew of the day. In in Isaiah 26 and 19, he, he likens this dew to be resurrection that calls forth from the dead. And that was true in our case, was it not? And out of you, says Jesus in John 7, out of you shall flow rivers of living water. This is God's method. And again, I won't go into the details. I'll just state the fact. This is God's method. He doesn't... Just speak like Charleston Heston from the clouds and it's done. No, he comes through us. Think about it. Think about it. Your life, your words produce the life of God in others. 
who come up against you, who are soaked by the presence of God in you. It's amazing. Amazing that Jesus said to a bunch of peasants in the Galilee 2,000 years ago, you go into all the world and proclaim this gospel. You, I, I, I would have to have said, what's plan B? They're never going to make it. There is no plan B. This is the way God works. He is present in your neighborhood. He's present in all the stores where you do business. He's present where you work and school. He's present in your life, your behavior. He's present in your lips, in your conversation, spontaneous conversation, certainly not stealing your employer's time to share the gospel. No, it's the way you talk. You, you realize a believer, especially in today's world, doesn't speak with anxiety. Well, as far as the world is concerned, they wouldn't have anything else to talk about. You realize a believer doesn't gossip. Now what? There's nothing to talk about, is there? You see, a believer is not malicious. A believer is not bitter. A believer speaks no ill. A believer, just in the way he talks, spontaneously, naturally, the way he looks at life, He's infusing it with, with, with a world dimension this world has never heard or seen, thought of. He, he comes. It's through our hands that he brings healing to the sick. It's through our prayers that we are empowered by God's strength to bring all of this to those we love. I can never get over, remember Moses, and the Lord comes to Moses and says, and I quote, it's what, Exodus 3, where, where it says, God said, I will come down and I will deliver my people. And in the next sentence, he says to Moses, so you go into Egypt and deliver them. Uh, then who does the delivering? God does, but he only does what he does through and in tandem with believers, you and I. So, you and I, hello, do you, you and I, we are God-life bringers. The word of salvation is in all our words, in all our attitude. We are the lifter of people's head. We are helpers of their faith. We are the bringers of hope. We are the joy bringers. We are the peace givers. We are the healers with a wink for we realize, yes, I am, I am, I am all of that. But it's because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me and the Holy Spirit is just being himself in me as I be myself. For me to live is Christ. And there's a great verse, you might look at it sometime, Deuteronomy 32, I think it's verse 2, where, where it says that the words that we speak are like the dew. Our words are like those droplets 
that, that go and cling to people and bring them life. Well, huh. I, I remember, you see, I'm, I'm speaking from where we, we have the dew and we depend on the dew, not maybe as much as the Middle East or the deserts, but dew is very important around here. And, and how many times have I walked through our pasture and realized I'm soaked right through to my socks? I have to go and change because I, I got soaked. It was the dew. It was the dew. You get close to the dew and you get soaked. And that, that's what I guess I'm trying to say here. You, you go into your place of work how do you see yourself, you see? Just one of the people, just, no, you're not like those around. You're in the world, but you're not of it. Come on, wake up. You have been reborn. You are a child of God. You are no longer of the darkness. You are of the light. And you go into your place of work. You go into your school, university, whatever, and you are a droplet of God life. You are the dew of his love. And for people to be around you for any length of time, they're going to get soaked. And to begin with, they won't really realize what it is. You know, Joseph goes as a slave to Potiphar, the Egyptian who worshipped so many gods, he lost count. But the scripture says that the Lord blessed Potiphar for the sake of Joseph. Joseph infused the blessing of God into that pagan man's business. Jacob goes to Laban and it says... Through actually through the lips of Laban, that God had blessed Laban because of Joseph, Jacob. Abraham, remember, it says of Abraham that I will bless you. In blessing, I will bless you. I will surely bless you. Why? Why? So that through you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. On the day of Pentecost, 120 people are filled with the Holy Spirit, 120 droplets of dew, but they soaked the world right up to this present moment. You, you are God's efficient method of being present in the darkness of his world. Through you, through ordinary you, through you who doesn't have an advertising agent. <laughs> Through you. You doing your job. You being a neighbor. You talking at the lunch table. You, just ordinary you, sitting on an airplane and talking to the fellow next and not getting out your Bible to thump their head. Just talking about life and them and you. And in your most ordinary conversation, you are God's efficient method of awakening in them a desire for his life and his love. 
Yeah, you don't come like the rain. You don't come like a spray of machine gun bullets. You don't come with thunder and lightning when people run away from you for cover. You're the Jew. You just show up on the piece of grass. You don't come with force. You are gentle. You're pleasant. You're good. You're compassionate. And when you've gone from those people, they realize they got soaked with something they don't have a word for. And maybe it won't be you who will take them to the next point because you don't go around with scalps on your belt to say you led so many to the Lord. You just be you, a droplet of dew, recognizing there's a million droplets that cause this pasture to be soaked. I'm just one of them, being me. You see, this is the gospel. Gospel isn't theory. Gospel is not explaining to people with a formula of how you get right with God. No, the, the gospel is not talking about water of life. The gospel is getting wet. Do you understand what I mean? Or you put it this way, we're not studying laughter, joy and rejoicing. We're laughing. You get the difference? We're not giving information. We're wide-eyed with revelation. And I trust that these programs where we sit down and share every week, I trust, I really do trust that that's what's happening here. That, that somehow in the mystery of God's work among us, you're, you're getting wet, you're getting soaked in this truth of the gospel. And as I just said, dew is made up of thousands of droplets. And the fact is, <laughs> when I say you are the dew, I mean you're part of that. There's millions out there. There's millions of you. Millions of us. I'm not talking about a mega drop. I'm talking about simply recognizing all my other believers and being who I am in Christ and Christ in me. And all of us together, for the Holy Spirit arranges that, that people meet us all over the place. I cannot be part of the Jew without you. That's a simple fact. The fact that tonight this is being listened to in 66 countries and many of them where the gospel is not allowed to be preached. But they're listening. Why? Because there's a whole bunch of us, you know, you who are my partners that stand with us. And it is we who put it out there. Nobody can do it alone. Wherever a group of believers together recognize, just recognize the Jew has come. The Jew has come. I've often looked at persons who are hurting and sick and, and 
longing to know God. God I, the, the feeling, if only they could get among us. If only I could get them among us and they'd be soaked in the presence and the light and the glory of God. Well, my time has gone. I Have you looked into the mirror of the perfect law of liberty? Have you seen yourself? Have you looked in the mirror and seen the face of Jesus and realized that is you, Christ in you, and you in Christ, that you are the due of whom the Lord himself is the ultimate due, but he's that due in you. Have you seen that? Then what I'm asking tonight is recognize it. Please, I'm not asking for you to go out and be an obnoxious bucket of water. (laughs) I'm asking you quietly just be who you are in Christ. You have received the dew. You have received the dew of heaven. You've received unearthly dew, the very creative light and life of God in the Holy Spirit. Now, we are his presence. We are his due to our neighbors, our work, our school, our town. And beyond that, and certainly those of you who stand with us tonight in doing what we're doing, we are God's gift to the nations, carrying the person of Jesus in our words so that he says, all authority is given to me, therefore you go and teach the nations. I could keep going. I'm having a hard job coming down to land. And so let's do it. Go, be who you see yourself to be. And now the blessing. The blessing of God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, That blessing be in you and with you that you shall be the dew in the desert wilderness in which you find yourself and through you and by you may an oasis of life spring into being. So I bless you and so it is. Amen.